Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm White Mike Castle. And I'm Boston Shane. <laughs> Welcome to episode 87, Super Brawl 3. Witness history in the making. At the biggest event of the year. It's big. It's pretty big. So this are they... With Boston Shane. <laughs> I just had to comment on that. You should have done it in a Boston accent. Yeah, I was thinking like Hollywood now, Blonde, we'll and then right. I was gonna say Shane the Boston brunette, and yeah, Boston Shane came out. It's part of the fun. Yeah, uh, it's been a long day. The so are they trying to replace Starcade with Super Brawl? Calling this the biggest event? Wouldn't you want to replace Starcade with anything? I mean, it doesn't have. <laughs> it's got the name, yeah. but it doesn't have the greatest track record as a. I think over time they do kind of start moving like everything more towards Super Brawl as the biggest show of the year because one it's it's right around the Super Bowl time that they usually show this plus it's right before Mania right before Mania as well so they're you know competing basically they're gonna try and wear out that Mania crowd before Mania even happens so that they can steal the ratings or something it happens eventually Eventually. <laughs> but this was the third annual Super Brawl produced by the WCW. It would take place on February 21st, 1993 at the Asheville Civic Center in Asheville, North Carolina. With an attendance of 6,500 people. Ooh, not so super. I mean, they're still hitting their cap. Like, that's their... That's kind of their number. That's their number, yeah. Like, yeah. it's... Yeah, it's, it's more average than super. <laughs> But I feel like they're booking the right buildings for it, right? Like this <laughs> looked like this looked like a good average brawl. <laughs> Three, <laughs> the third anniversary of Average Brawl, nineteen ninety-three. There we go. <laughs> but we're in North Carolina for the first time Ooh. since Shane has joined us. Oh my god! Do you know how difficult it was to try and find something that's not from Georgia? It was actually pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. So. Boiled peanuts? You got a big old crock pot full of boiled peanuts for us? No, that's Georgia and Louisiana. Uh, I've only ever had them in North Carolina. Oh. Uh, so. Or maybe it was South Carolina. Same thing. I don't know. Don't say it's the same thing. Lose half our viewers. Exactly. Our listeners. We're, we're just now starting to reel in these North Carolinians. Is that right? Sure. These, these hardy boys. Tar Heels? There you go. Okay. Okay. Gamecocks. <laughs> those, those are from South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I just know the Tar Heels because uh, of Michael Jordan. I don't really follow a whole lot of college sports. Like my cousin lives sports in, in general. Carolina, I think. Or maybe she lives in South. I don't know. My nephew lived there for a while. I yeah. know that much, but I've never actually been. But. Beautiful part of the country. That's what I've heard. I've seen lots of pictures. It looks great. It's Flair County, right? Yes. I mean, we're in Asheville. Claire's daughter's name is Ashley, a.k.a. Charlotte. I mean, this is basically her town right here. One of her towns, I guess. There's a Charlotte, too. 
We are in Asheville. I almost said Nashville in uh, North Carolina, and haven't had uh, any alcohol yet. The uh, the last couple shows and today, so it seemed like the great time to uh, bust out the booze. This is very uh, like it's like pretty a dark magenta. Yes, I don't know what color. It's a that color. Would be. It's definitely a color. Cardinal uh, Chartreuse is green. <laughs> I decided to go with the. Uh, Signature cocktail of North Carolina, the Cherry Bounce. I believe is kind of like a, it can be done as like a mash liquor type deal where they put a bunch of cherries and booze in a jar and just let it sit for days and kind of do Ghetto its own moonshine. thing. Yeah. Hillbilly, or I guess moonshine is hillbilly shit. Watch it's your wording there. It's Have fine. you watched Ozark? from Oklahoma. I can say hillbilly. Have you watched Ozark? You, you need to know who to call a redneck and a hillbilly uh. or... I'll get there one day, Jason You'll never think of those two words the same, the same again. But yeah, that's that's Ozark. That's not North Carolina. So yeah, we have the Cherry Bounce. We did the uh, simple cocktail version of it, which is cherry vodka with some uh, cranberry juice and a little bit of lime juice. Shake it, pour it over ice. I have no garnish this time around. What was the garnish supposed to be? I was going to try and get some like black cherries or uh-huh. some kind of cherries, and I wanted anything but maraschino cherries, and that's all they had. So <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. No. Nah. We, we just decided to, to go without. But yeah, it's, I don't know, it's like liquid candy. It's light, light and delicious. Matt drank the whole thing, which already, which clink, is... Clink. clink through the plexi. Which is, uh, Matt's not a boozer. Okay. So he threw it right back. Must have been delicious. Hey, Matt's trying all kinds of things with this uh, food and beverage trip around the world. Right. Never had Red Bull. Never had Jaeger. I don't know. Tried a little bit of everything. Yeah. While they're enjoying those tasty t- treats, a movie will come out right around the same time as this show. Groundhog Day. Oh my god. Will be released a few weeks prior. The Chris Elliott vehicle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he plays the cameraman. He's not. He's not the lead. Just in my heart. Oh, Groundhog Day. I saw it in the theater uh, the weekend it was released. Yeah, it's still one of my favorites. I mean, you you can't. I guess you could not like it, but if you don't like it, you probably aren't going to be in my oh circle. Exclu- yeah, I mean, I I like this movie a lot. It holds up well. I watched it a handful of years ago again. Super enjoyable. I do remember when it came out because I my best friend's mom uh, when I was a little kid she saw it. And I remember her complaining about how it sucked, but. I think uh, that she was wrong, the, of course. The people wrong. that don't like Groundhog Day is because they don't like movies that show the same thing just <laughs> over and over again. It's but it's, it's because the, that's that's it's that's my quite, wife that's my wife's issue. It's not quite he, the same thing over and over again. It's not. I that's agree. Why it's interesting. I completely yeah, agree. I mean, it's. I love Groundhog. I, it's Day. a little. I like movies that time. do that. Even the the Tom Cruise action movie. Uh, like, what is it? <laughs> they live, die, repeat, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, World of Tomorrow. What's it called? Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. I like that movie too. It's like the dumb action version of that, and that's super fun. I've yeah, I'm all all down for the repeating stuff. I've wanted to watch those goofy Happy Death Day movies because I hear they're a lot of fun and they're very. Kind of they're, the it's thing. kind of the same idea, and I like that idea because it can be really really fun. Now there's a new one that's coming out with Ryan Reynolds. A remake is, of this? Well, it's. Very similar to this here, where he's reliving the same day over and over, dies, and you know starts over again. I yeah. mean, it's a it's a very tried and true trope yeah. of filmmaking 
that's done even in TV shows as a storytelling. Yeah, it feels like it's easier to do in a TV show because you got like twenty to forty minutes or whatever. Yeah. But in a movie, like, like I feel 30. like it's, it's probably pretty hard to pull off, and that's why there's not a lot of them. Community where they have their little party and oh yeah, and great the, episode. The dice. Probably the most memorable episode that's not a paintball episode of Community. Oh, I love that. Very true. Yep. Groundhog's Day, we all agree, is a great film. Oh, yes. it's awesome. It's, it's probably my favorite Bill Murray film. It's, yeah, it's, and I've always even uh, even more than Ghostbusters. I am not. I like Ghostbusters, but I'm not the diehard Ghostbusters fan that a lot of people are. I'm like, it's good, but it doesn't really like scratch that itch that it does for so many people, where it's like held in this like high esteem yeah. like i think that it is good but it doesn't it, it didn't wiggle its way into my heart like it did other people's yeah. hearts also always uh, had a crush on uh annie mcdowell she's in this movie she's a cutie definitely yeah, with her big old head i hated her for so long i don't think she's a good actress i just <laughs> no, think she's, that she's cute actress. she's pretty bad in a lot of stuff she's got she, like she one improved lane. over the years but yeah, what, yeah she I, was very uh, what, she, Sex Lies she, and Videotape, Groundhog Day, and Michael? Are there any other movies that she was in? Multiplicity, <laughs> Green Card. Oh, uh, I never saw Multiplicity. Uh, I've, nev- I've always heard bad things about it. But I think I could have fun with it. Hey, I think you'd have fun with it. I think you'd like it. It's it's just quirky enough. It's and, Keaton, right? Yeah. Love Keaton. So some, something that happened right around the same time as this show coming out was Groundhog Day would be released a few oh, weeks prior. Good movie. Love that movie. I saw it in the theater the weekend it was released. <laughs> All right, moving on. They say we're young and we don't know. We won't find out. The Chris Elliott show. All right, moving on to some wrestling. <laughs> so we open up on a highlight showing Vader whipping Sting across the back with a belt, while Harley and Barry Windham hold him. Bitches. Narration then hits. As the video continues showing Sting being hung by the belt. Bitches. Mm. We then go to a video where Sting's in a helicopter? I thought those were only reserved for the nature war. Um, not not I mean, in 93. I'm okay with Sting in a helicopter, but I'd prefer him to be in, like on a motorcycle. Oh yeah, it's a chopper either way. It's Super Bowl, damn it. Give me, give me, <laughs> give me Biker Sting. Rimshot. <laughs> and then we get the logo for the show. Eric Bischoff and Missy Hyatt then welcome us, and they tell us that Ron Simmons is hurt, so Max Payne will challenge for the United States belt instead. Oh, Max Payne. Fucking Max Payne. And I I was like, I I had no clue who Max Payne was when I started this show. Yeah, I I don't remember Max Payne. I had to research him, and then I remembered who he was as another character that I forgot existed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Are you? Are we gonna tell? Are you gonna tell me the character now, or we'll wait till we get to him? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming if I, I tell you know. now I'll, or I tell you then, you're I still gonna won't. forget either way. <laughs> I didn't recognize the name of the other character. Oh, either, what's the other so. character? Okay, let, let's hear it. Man, mountain, rock. That was my thought Man, process. Man, mountain, rock. Too. Yeah, in, in WWF guy. in the mid '90s when they had just around one of the yeah. greatest Strangest. characters ever. Yeah, he basically dressed like the. Did you ever see Dude Love Wrestle? You know, yeah. Foley in, in his little hippie gear. Mm-hmm. It was like basically that same gear before Foley got it, and him just kind of holding a guitar. Mm. That's not what I, I expected. Wasn't really... I expected him to be like a burly like lumberjack type with Mount, Man Mountain Rock. Me too. Or maybe like a like a uh, 
like a rats, raccoon skin like cap, like some Jeremiah Johnson vibes. Maybe some Big Josh. Yeah, Big Josh vibes for sure. Missy then tells us she's going to pull off the coup of the evening and she's going to get an interview, but she doesn't tell us who. <gasps> Bitches. Surprise, surprise. Hmm. Bischoff then brings out Johnny B. Bad. Oh, Johnny. He's got new music, too. And he's so outrageous, it's contagious. And then you starts, I like Johnny. I mean, I like starts Johnny. talking about some of the matches. I like Johnny, but I never realized originally while watching Johnny just how much of a, a, a Dusty Rhodes spinoff he is as far as personality <laughs> and how he tries to talk. He's, he's a big, beautiful Dusty. Oh, yeah. He, he's so pretty. We then go to Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura at ringside, oh. as they will be our announcers for the evening. It's their one-year anniversary. Oh, for Jesse, Jesse's, Jesse's one-year one year anniversary. Well, yeah. This is Tony's first time uh, on the ones and twos with Jesse, right? Yeah. Uh, well, at least since Somebody, uh, somebody's missing. SummerSlam 88. Oh, were they on that I'm show? saving my answer in case that's a trivia question. <laughs> I don't think he's going to give it away this early. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> it's not uh, a trivia question, but uh, as far as I know, yeah. So J- where's Jr's gone? I wonder where he could be. So hmm. since Starcade, Eric Bischoff has taken over as vice president of the company, and Eric and Jim Ross didn't really get along too well. Imagine that, because you know Jim Ross was actually pretty high up in the company as well, and someone that was below him kind of jumped him. Yeah. In position. Also somebody that didn't grow up around wrestling. Yes. That's exactly. somebody who is not from the South. <laughs> and at this point, Eric had just... Re- he's, Jim Ross is actually still under contract to WCW as of this point. He was just leaving him at home. Letting him ride oh, out his really? contract. It, it was that bad. It was, the, the blood was that... Yeah, that, it was... That bad. JR had asked for his release, so... Obviously, we will see him very soon in another role. You don't leave that guy on the side of the road. Nope. You don't do it in 1993. You don't do it in 2019. Well, some people might think that in 2019 yeah. <laughs> he could stay home, but uh, that's, you know, personal opinions. Not necessarily mine, but... So then Tony and Jesse, they preview some, some of the matches of the evening as well. And we go to Gary Michael Capetta in the ring... And he asks everyone to stand for Max Payne's rendition of the national anthem. And he well, just I was like, huh? He like wells, you know. Oh yeah, it it's was, a it's a guitar version. Yeah, he just plays it on the guitar, but it's like so like rudimentary. It's like not not flashy at all. Like uh, I could probably learn it in a day. I was yes, like, yeah. I was like, this is not so hot. Even though like he's not even like looking cool while he's doing it. It's just looks like he learned it a couple days ago and he's just like a little purple guitar on his fat belly and he's just like you know one string in it no flare it's not bad right otherwise i'm not gonna get a bonus it's not bad but like, this is the first time uh, i had seen max Payne. like i said it's not ago, good and i was just like so he's a rocker yeah i was like sure he's our um oh, i already forgot his name van hammer the new van hammer yeah fat van hammer yeah so then we go to our first match flying brian pillman and stunning Steve Austin. From Hollywood, California. Versus Eric Watts and Marcus Alexander Bagwell. 
Now, Steve and Brian would become known as the Hollywood Blondes, but they haven't started using that name as of yet. Yes. They're just said they're just say that they're from those places, and they're definitely not. Yeah. Yes, uh, correct. Yeah, I did love the uh, lights, you... camera, Austin sign. So the yeah, from the crowd, the wheels are already uh, in motion. Yeah, Austin, like it's so funny to even attempt to say he's from. California. It's like, just let the man speak one sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't believe Pillman has any kind of draw, really. No, it's like saying Pillman's from Australia. <laughs> yeah. Bagwell and Austin are back and forth to start us off until a stunning Steve cheap shot. But Marcus comes back by floating over a suplex attempt and knocking Austin to the floor. Watts comes in and the uh, crowd uh, goes crazy with booze. I know. It didn't take long. You guys were serious about this. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's it's great. Because that's not a you suck. No, it's, a, it's go home. Here. Go home. Yeah, go away. Because when old uh, Bagwell comes in, he gets wonderful cheer. Probably a little bit because of Eric the, Watts Eric is tagging Watts's out, tagging out, tag out. But yeah. also because like Bagwell looks awesome, and he everything he does is so like has like snap and is like crisp and He's like big and beefy. You know, he has a reason to be in the ring. Watson Bagwell hit a double back body drop on Stunning Steve and then a double clothesline on Pillman. Eric with a Japanese arm drag, Damn a horrible. drop kick, horrible. and another arm drag. Failed. Come on, man. <laughs> no. They boo each move that he does. And it's it's not just because I hate him. It's because he is I get it. that hateable. You're a man of the people. I'm telling you. I, I didn't know. I mean, I've never been to North Carolina, but... Gotta love him. I just love him. I was giving him a second, and then here, like, I started watching. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, if it like it's the crowd found out real quick how they feel about this guy. Yeah, I I'm sure on. he's been blasted on television, just putting over, getting put over by making jobbers stare at the lights. Is my assumption. I love my note here. Eric gets booze after shitty drop kick. And an arm drag on Pillman that was so bad it silences Tony completely. <laughs> because they even made a comment, Jesse did, about Tony not being able or not not having words or something like that. And yeah. So bad he silenced the announce team. Bagwell slammed into a turnbuckle and then ducks multiple Austin clotheslines. And Marcus comes off the ropes with a crossbody, followed by a drop kick. More booze for Watts as he comes in. Uh-huh. Applies an ab stretch to stunning Steve. Eric and Bagwell then tag, and Marcus continues the ab stretch, only for Austin to hip toss out and drop an elbow. Flying Brian in with a second rope double axe handle, but Bagwell retaliates with a military press slam and mounted punches in the corner. And we've got wrestling. Only for Pillman to escape with an atomic drop attempt that's blocked. So Marcus goes for a clothesline that Brian ducks and thinking he has escaped danger only for Bagwell to hit the clothesline on the next try. And Jesse asks, why are they booing? And Tony <laughs> says, are you sure it's boo and not woo? <laughs> He's helping. He's trying to help. I heard him, heard Jesse ask this and I literally said out loud, because he sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Austin with a body slam, elbow drop, goes for a running splash. But Eric gets his knees up. Very early. A little too early, I'd say. Turns stunning Steve over into a Boston Crab. Eric can't crab. Until Pillman jumps in the ring to break it up. Disgraced drawing cheers. 
Flying Brian takes control when Watts catches a kick and turns it into the STF, but Pillman immediately makes it to the ropes. Brian starts selling a knee injury, but it's all a ruse for the cheap shot. Tosses Eric out to the floor, and Pillman follows out with a double axe handle, only for Watts to move, sending Brian flying into the guardrail. Once back in the ring, Pillman yanks Eric to the corner, where he and Austin with the double back elbows to send Watts over the ropes to the floor. Another great Jesse comment. Who's the sucker? Eric Watts. Austin with a body slam on the floor, then rolls Eric back into the ring, goes for the sunset flip, but Watts stays up and punches down, only for Flying Brian to jump in to nailing from behind to keep control of the match. More double teams by the Blondes, working over Eric, until he hits a sunset flip for a two count. Pillman with a face plant, body slammed by Stunning Steve, they attempt the rocket launcher, only for Watts to get his knees up again. Eric's crawling to his corner for the no, Austin hits a back suplex for a near fall. Watts is then Irish whipped into the corner with Steve charging in and the two men bump heads. Austin comes back with a body guillotine, but Eric is moved, allowing him to make the hot tag. I mean, Billy's bag was in. Oh yeah, I mean, Beck was in. The audience was, was, was tearing. It's the bag tag, guys. I'm telling you, there was a Austin chopping Watts moment that, I mean, I wrote down on here too. Austin chop of Watts is going in my spank bank. <laughs> it was just perfect. Um, there's a, a, a nasty kick that Austin gives uh, Eric in here somewhere too, where it's just like, hmm, did he, was, was, he, was he shooting on him? I'm sure he wasn't. I mean, but it, it seemed like after a while there. He's the, a big boy. You can take it. I mean, him and, and Pillman both. I mean, they're, they're the heels that were finally being cheered. And, yeah, they, they played it up to the audience. They probably don't love that they're in a match with this guy and nobody's going to get over because of it. Bagwell goes punch crazy on everybody. Power slam on Pillman. Makes the cover, but Steve breaks it up. Pierce 6 brawl breaks out, and the ref is getting Austin and Watts out of the ring while Marcus floats over a suplex, hitting a fisherman suplex of his own. A crispy one. Stunning Steve then comes off the top rope with a double axe handle to break it up, allowing Pillman to make the cover for the pin and the win. This was incredibly long. It was, but I'm telling you, I love this match. <laughs> Man, this... this it's already a shining star for, for the night. <laughs> Come on. I, I, got to watch, I got to watch Steve Austin and Brian Pillman just beat the hell out of Eric Watts for you know, 10 minutes. But and it, it should have been fun, and it wasn't even fun. It was fun for the audience to watch. It was fun oh, for me sure. to watch. Yeah. I'm telling you, had you had you had to suffer through 1992, <laughs> in 1992 and into 1993 with Eric Watts, yeah, yeah, 20-something years later, you'd be uh, backflipping over this match, too. I have... God, I love this match. We have Austin <laughs> Cheers. Man, I love this audience. New North Carolina people are my peeps. Yeah, and then uh, Austin Chapa Watts is... I have a different take. I have a different take, but, you know, that's what we're here for. It's too, it too long, and it's like, well, there's three guys in here that can put on an exciting match, and instead I got, like, 15 minutes. Like, this is not how you start a show, and it's a bummer, and it's not those guys' fault, but... Yeah. At least they at least they completely exposed the man on television. They made the most or of it and they had fun. 
Hillman Austin song is pretty rocking. It's I we're starting to get like more consistent and new entrance themes, so I notice yeah. them. We then go to a video where Sting and Vader and then some snow covered mountains. Yeah, it's like some looks like some James Bond shit. Very much so. And that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll see more later. I was very intrigued, but it seems like it's like three seconds. So I was like just trying to figure out what it was. This White Castle business. I literally was doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, I still don't know, but Bischoff. I, I have a feeling you have an answer for me later. Bischoff is still with Johnny B. Bad on the stage. And the rumors going around are true. Ric Flair is here tonight. Woo! We then go to Missy in the back. And a limo pulls up right in front of her. But security stops her. And a lady cop frisks her. Which I'm sure she's used to. So <laughs> I felt it was the lady cop. Okay. Um, oh no, maybe it was the ladies that exited. I was like, cause I saw one of them, and I was like, kind of looks like Ivory. Y'all remember Ivory? <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, I had that thought. I thought maybe the cop maybe was you would not. No. The cop wasn't. No, it was uh, in. I was just looking in my notes, and I was like, oh no, the lady that exits the thing. I was like, is that that motherfucking Ivory? It's very Mid- possible because I mean, her her time on Glow was over a couple years or so before this, so. Missy is pulled away from the limo, and Flair exits and walks into the building with a very large entourage. Yeah, you would assume that like they wouldn't. If Flair saw Missy, he wasn't. He he'd be like, just come on. You'd assume he just put his arm around her and add her to the harem. Well, you'd also figure if Flair shows up on TV, the announce team would say something, and instead they sat there in total silence and said absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, not one word was said. Maybe they uh. Maybe they're on a pee break. <laughs> I also, I mean, this was probably shot beforehand too, potentially. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I figured that like the Ric Flair. This seems more like a like a television entrance, like after somebody comes back from being like hurt or whatever, as opposed to like Ric Flair's back in the WCW. Yeah. Like it should be later in the show and more hush hush, and then he like comes out to like fireworks or like beat somebody up. Uh, that has a has like the big title later on. It seemed like it was like, yeah, this is cool, but it doesn't feel as big as it should, or as I wanted it to be, or how I would have imagined it to be. We might talk about that later. Okay, well. cool. I love not knowing anything. We then go back to ringside, and there are we want flare chants. So at least they probably showed it somehow on in the arena. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah you show me somebody who doesn't. One flare, and uh, I'll show them the door. So we head off to our second match. Two Cold Scorpio in singles action. <laughs> or Two Cold Scorpio versus Chris Benoit. Benoit makes his first appearance on the, uh, the podcast. Chris Benoit is a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. The only one he's going to get. <clears throat> So as uh, Scorpio's coming out, there's a sign in the crowd that says, He dances, he wrestles, he flips, he's too cold, Scorpio. I know, I was like, is, did his, is that his brother, is, like, is that a plant? He's got a fan club, man. I know, it's great, I mean, he should. I'm a fan. Definitely. That first match, he showed up, he botched up a little bit. The second one, he was a lot crisper, and now he's about to go into the ring with a uh, technician, so... I was very pumped when, when I saw this was the second match because this is the kind of 
thing I would expect to be like a first match on a WCW show. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess they had to wiggle Eric Watts' big ass yeah. in here somehow. They had to pop the crowd with old Watts getting his ass beat. Yeah, so. pop the crowd with booze. <laughs> with go home heat. Hey. Made him happy. Made me happy. So Benoit starts us off with a cheap shot to gain control. Hits a snap suplex. Irish whips Scorpio, who leaps up and off with a crossbody for a two count. Drop kick and a spinning heel kick by Two Cold sends Chris out to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, the two men transition in and out of wrist locks with cartwheels before Scorpio hits a back body drop, keeping the pressure on the arm. Too Cold with an Indian death lock on the arm, mm. dropping down multiple times, but Benoit reverses into a hammer lock, only for Scorpio to flip over, goes for an O'Connor roll, which Chris holds onto the ropes. So Too Cold flips backwards before hitting a Japanese arm drag, sending Benoit to the floor again. Shit. Damn. Uh, and all, Jesse lets us know that Chris is, uh, you know, came out of Stu Hart's Chamber of Horrors. Oh, yeah. Which instead of calling it a dungeon, you call it the Chamber yeah, of Horrors. Baseball. But he lets us know, like, yeah, this guy, this guy can grapple. This guy probably knows what he's doing. Yeah. I think this was the point when I went, I, like, texted both of you and was just like... Shortlist. <laughs> I haven't even gotten five minutes into this match, and I'm just like, holy crap. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Benoit looks absolutely evil, and Scorpio couldn't be a more likable babyface. And then they both go in there and are like putting on like top top level like action wrestling. Yeah. I don't know what to call it. Like you know, it's uh, quick. No, it's fast. It's either. not. They're not. They're not like. They haven't done anything in this match really, but they've done, done so, so much. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like they're not feeling each other out. It's they're feeling each other out by going you know a hundred miles. Yeah. Yeah. See, I was worried that we were going to fall into the. I'm going to put on a headlock. We're gonna sit here for a few minutes just to. Not with too cold. He dances. I know he dances and he, he flips. flips. And he flips. He wrestles. Uh huh. But his dance is. Like, he doesn't write the show. The so I was worried that we were gonna get stuck in some. Wait, no. That was oh, Eric. Bill Watts, Watts is gone. Yeah, <laughs> Eric he, Watts. Bill doesn't like the fast moves and high flying. Yeah. Eric's all about fast and loose. Once in the ring, the two men lock up into a test of strength with both guys bridging onto the mat to avoid being pinned. The trade bridge. Yes. Come on. That's all I got. Come on. They then trade monkey flips, still in the test of strength, before a drop kick and an arm drag by Scorpio. Chris is tossed to the ropes, where he slides under too cold, a double leg takedown, and attempts to turn it over into a Boston Crab. But Scorpio's legs are too strong, so it sends Benoit flipping followed by Too Cold attempting a drop kick, which Chris avoids and goes for an elbow drop, which Scorpio avoids and delivers a super kick and an arm drag takedown. Benoit slams Too Cold's head into the turnbuckle. That was... It was nasty. It was a nasty <laughs> shot. This is kind of like like Steamboat versus Steamboat. And you're like, oh, the only person that ever could have had a match that... like, Yeah, it's like they've gotten to the point where guys can work like Steamboat with even more as athleticism, but not everybody is that good. And I'm not putting these guys exactly on Steamboat level, but it's like, oh, we haven't really had two people in the ring that can do that very often. Yeah, you got your Pillman and Liger and whatnot, match. but here this seems like it's like up a little bit. And I love that Jesse throughout this 
when uh, Tony was talking about them being athletes, Jesse cuts them off, call them wrestlers. The wrestlers, call them wrestlers. Yeah. Barry, Barry Thank you. Benoit sends Scorpio to the ropes, attempting another monkey flip, only for Too Cold to cartwheel away and attempt a spinning heel kick. But Chris ducks and delivers multiple clotheslines, a backbreaker and a modified bow and arrow by Benoit, until Scorpio hits a knee to escape. Snapmare, rubber band slam that leaves Too Cold dangling on the ropes, so Chris then knocks him out to the floor. Once Scorpio's back on the apron, Benoit attempts to slam his head into the turnbuckle again, but it's blocked and reversed, and Too Cold goes for the missile dropkick, but Chris sidesteps it and goes for a cover for a two count. Scorpio begins to fire up, only to catch him with a spine buster and turn him over into an elevated Boston Crab. Dear Eric Watts, please view this match so you can see how to do a Boston Crab. Thank you. We then get a 15-minute time call in this 20-minute match. How the fuck did 15 minutes fly by that fast? That's what I was thinking when they had said it to you. Did it actually, or...? Probably not, but... Uh, I just thought I was lost in the match. But you are lost in the match as well. That's why I kept, when they said it, it was like, holy shit, it's been 15 minutes, wow. Chris sets too cold up on the top rope, hitting a back suplex, only for Benoit to hurt himself in the process. Four minutes remain. Chris, with a Russian leg sweep for the near fall, goes for a back suplex, only for Scorpio to flip out in midair and land on top for a two count. Too cold with the Irish whip, but telegraphs the back body drop, so Benoit hits a power bomb for the near fall, and three minutes remain. Chris tries for another power bomb, but Scorpio reverses it into a sunset flip, only for them to land in the ropes. Too Cold stays on the attack with knees and an enziguri, but then misses multiple spinning heel kicks, but follows it up with a clothesline. And two minutes remain. Scorpio Irish whips Benoit to the corner, following in with a 360 corner splash, and heads up top for the corkscrew moonsault for a near fall. Too Cold goes for the victory roll with 45 seconds, but Chris just slams him down face first into the mat. A body slam and a second rope leg drop by Benoit for a two count. 15 seconds as Scorpio cradles up Chris for a near fall. And as the announcer starts counting down from 10, Benoit goes for a dragon suplex. Only for too cold to slip out and roll up Chris for the pin and the win with one second remaining on the clock. This is how you get guys over. I mean, they were going to get themselves over either way, but, like, booking it this way, and, like, they both get pretty equal offense on. One is doing heel shit, using those thumbs. He's also got a nasty face, a missing tooth and everything. That (laughs) hair slicked back. He looks fucking mean. My God. I was like, oh, this is going to... I thought it was... I was like, it's a draw. It's a draw. And it wasn't. And I was so excited that it wasn't because I was like, the draw is still exciting, but the fact that it wasn't, and they nailed it. Yeah. Yes, that's that's how you do writing every every second of that time up until the very last second. I know, I can't imagine how difficult wow. it is, but you know, when you've got two guys that are this athletic, and I don't know where Scorpio trained, really, or where he'd worked before this, but it, it wasn't... Uh, not really sure. It wasn't in Memphis, I'll tell you that. No. We then go to the stage where Eric Bischoff's there, 
And it reminds us to call the hotline, where Gordon Soley, Dustin Rhodes, and Michael P.S. Hayes are taking calls. And then Max Payne joins him on the stage. And says, will you give me an opportunity to talk? As Eric just keeps yammering away. And he says, I have an epitaph for Dustin. And he starts playing taps on his guitar. Did he learn that one a couple days before, oh, no, too? No, it was fucking lame, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, the taps thing was like any other song. This one's just not doing it. It's like, the lights out, bedtime. Isn't that what taps is? Or, the, no, that's the... The, the military like, song for people yeah. when they pass away. Yeah, funeral, whatever. It's just not a very good song, I guess. Get the meaning. Taps. You need better than that. Uh, Max Payne is getting uh, a lot of airtime for being a brand new... Somebody that I haven't seen. He's got a purple guitar. It's cool. I was trying to read what was on his guitar because it looked like a bunch of names were scrawled on it. I like paused to look and I was like, it just looked like he had all his friends sign it because it didn't. It's not like it said like Alice Cooper or like Ozzy Osbourne or like Randy Rose or Van Halen or anything on cool on it. It was just like it looked like somebody took like a white paint pen and scribbled on his purple ESP or Jackson metal guitar. So we head off to our third match. Wild Bill Irwin versus the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. Man, this guy gets from around. the lost episode. From the lost episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that I was like, well, I hope he doesn't do only a power slam this time. <laughs> but it was Wild Bill Irwin, so I was like, well, maybe it'll just be a power slam. I wasn't sure what I'm gonna get. So the last time we saw Irwin was at Clash Twelve. All the way back in episode forty-eight. I don't remember him. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't <laughs> around very long. Yeah, like I even wrote on here, who the fuck is Wild Bill? Because I was, uh, they're throwing him in there against Bulldog, so I was expecting him to be somebody that I would remember. But I mean, he's a older guy that they're gonna give him a payday. Payday. Um, I've got some interesting comments about him. I'm excited to uh, unleash on the world. Yeah. So Bulldog's using his power early on to just keep shoving Irwin down. And then a few shoulder tackles and a clothesline sends Wild Bill out to the floor. You forgot about the greatest thing about Wild Bill. He comes out with a whip. But he's not as nearly as scary as like Stan Hansen. No. He doesn't have the presence. He's half the size of Stan Hansen. Back in, Davy Boy with a press slam and Irwin retreats back out to the floor. While Bill is then hit with an arm drag by the Bulldog once he comes back in, but he fires back with several clotheslines and back elbows, applies the chin lock to wear Davy Boy down. The two men start brawling until the Bulldog lifts him up for a stalling vertical suplex. Multiple clotheslines, only to run into a big boot in the corner. I'd say it was around that time, I want to say, that I noticed, I don't know, the... the... Words just kind of ran through my head, and I had to write them down. That watch Fight Club forever. First of all, Bill has bad pants. Um, Bob, Bob has bitch tits, but Bill has a fupa. Aw, leave the man alone. Hey, I'm talking about him a whole lot nicer than I do about old EW. Yeah, Jesse. Uh, let's. I liked his. The way he said Rastafarian incorrectly when talking about... <laughs> Rastafarian. Uh, Rastafarian. But, uh, yeah, it was very funny. And Davy Boy's getting the big cheers, the the wolves for any that all bulldog wrestlers get when they deserve it. Yeah, crowd loves them. Irwin then jumps off the second rope with an axe handle, 
but Davy Boy catches him and hits the running power slam for the pin and the win. We then go to a video of a cave and a shot of Vader's smoking mask that he brings out to the ring. Oh yeah, on like a table with like apples and grapes and shit on it. It's cool. Again, it was three seconds of this video and I have no clue. I know. There's like there's like a hot chick in the background somewhere like like it's like he just has this layer, this like sci-fi action movie layer that I need and want more of. Tony then interviews the British Bulldog at ringside. And he says, I've come to the WCW for one reason. And no, it's not because they have good painkillers. It's to become the world champion. I'm here, and I'm hungry, and I'm coming after Vader. If he keeps the belt. It, yeah, if he keeps it. Did you hear his actual words, though? He's coming for the world championship, heavyweight championship of the uh, world. Hey, he's not, he's not a mic guy. But the <laughs> the Brett, world championship heavyweight championship of the world. The uh, yeah, I was like, oh well, he hasn't stopped uh, using words steroids. I stopped using words. He stopped using <laughs> steroids. I was like, he had the the big uh, stretch marks on yeah. his uh, ever growing pecs. Oh yeah, the big yeah. The Davey big does not have bitch tits. We then go to the stage where Johnny B. Bad and Missy Hyatt are there. And Johnny says that WCW is about to go on a European tour. And I was like, hmm, perfect timing to add the British Bulldog to your mm-hmm. roster. Let's exactly. hope he doesn't get lost, and hopefully you have somebody who can carry him in a match. <laughs> and Missy complains that she's not getting to go. Why wouldn't they bring Missy? I know, someone needs some fun bags around, right? I mean, yeah, she have, have her uh, sign stuff for people. I don't know. I guess they, didn't, they don't really do that too often, I but... Mean, maybe. Maybe she can get into the locker room and do an interview there, as opposed to here, and yeah. you know, not be spit on. Or They are a little bit more open-minded in France. <laughs> yeah. We then go to the back, and Eric Bischoff is there with Paul Orndorff. Hey. And Paul starts screaming when all of a sudden Cactus Jack starts chasing after him with a snow shovel. <laughs> so we have our fourth match. Paul Orndorff versus Cactus Jack in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Paul Orndorff, the man with the most dad of faces. Also, I right when this match started up, I was like, the catwalk's gone. You know, like the raised catwalk oh, yeah. to the ring? Uh, it's been like a staple for quite a while now. Just something that I noticed like three matches in, four matches in. That's all. Just want to bring light to it. I, I kind of like the catwalk. It's fun. Like Flair's back. He wasn't used to those. So. <laughs> the last time we saw Paul Orndorff was at Great American Bash 1990. Wow. All the way back in episode 46. And I must say, Paul Orndorff looks incredible. He's in incredible shape. It's pretty wild. Very much. He is, yeah, he is chiseled. So the ref grabs the shovel away from Jack as they get into the ring, which allows Orndorff to kick Cactus Jack in the head. Also, have we had a start like this where it goes from interview to match? Like, <laughs> hits him with the shovel and the camera follows them out to the ring. It's um, really cool. The Flying Brian, Brad Armstrong, oh yeah, thirty second match. That's a little different. Yeah, but that is a, that. Yeah, good, good memory for sure. But this one, like, this is like some yeah, classic is... shit that you'll probably see every single day in like past 97 every single like twice a week on on both channels <laughs> the two men start brawling on the outside trading head slams into the guardrail 
Cactus Jack then picks up the mat around ringside, hitting a body slam on the concrete. No time to waste. And following with a running elbow drop for a two count. Mm, splat. Jack then continues by coming off the second rope with a sunset flip onto the concrete for another two count. And who was that? Who 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 got hurt there? Me. I mean, yeah, me as well. <laughs> Jack took the bump. Yeah, the yeah, like Paul Orndorff lost nothing in there. Oh. They finally make it back into the ring, which Paul controls the action with kicks and clotheslines before throwing Cactus Jack back out to the floor. The two men take a waltz down the aisle where Orndorff Irish whips Jack into the guardrail, which he flips over onto the concrete. That just, uh... I know. Jack's like, just, I feel like this might be the most brutal he's been so far and like, just throwing his body yeah. out there since, yeah, since we've been seeing him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he got his warm-up with Sting getting, yeah. Um, tossed around the concrete But now he's just it. hurting himself. <laughs> like, the, uh, also, you guys, a shout out to the crutch lady. In the like front row, there's the lady with the crutch, and every time she gets excited, she raises her crutch. <laughs> and for a second, I thought she was a plant, and maybe they would take the crutch. Take my weapon! Yeah. I think she probably, I'm sure she was probably saying that <laughs> at some points throughout this match, but good on you, crutch lady. Cactus Jack fires up to send Paul over the railing as well. Orndorff then hits a snap suplex across the guardrail. Hell yes. Starts working the knee... Like, twisting it on the railing as well. Yeah, he does, like, the... Does he do, like, a, a snap on in between the rails on the knee? Yeah. Yes. Great. Always cool. They make their way back to the ring where Paul continues working on the knee before hitting a vertical suplex over the ropes and onto the apron. Jack's knee brace then comes off, so Orndorff uses it to choke Cactus Jack. And can I just say this? This shit is hot. Yeah. This is fucking great. Paul Orndorff. I don't my God. Know, I don't know if I've ever been excited for a Paul Orndorff match, but... Oh, he is really... This one finally took me there. He is really a great... He's showing up hard here. I mean, literally the it's only so time good. we've really seen him is against Hogan. Yeah. And in a Survivor Series against Hogan. Or was and in a match with El Gigante. Yeah. So how excited can you really <laughs> No, he's, but he's like really showing out and impressing yeah. the shit out of me throughout this whole match. Just like... Actually the, living up to that wonderful name. Mm-hmm, he's like just... Vicious and like present, and he just feels feels like a big. It feels like a top tier wrestler. Yeah, like he feels like somebody that can be a top heel or babyface with yeah. a look like that. You've got dad face here, just kicking the ass at the neighborhood bully. Oh yeah. Orndorff locks on a figure four, using the ropes for leverage, but Jack punches his way out of the hold. Paul then takes Cactus Jack out to the floor with a clothesline. Starts slamming the knee on the concrete, hitting him in the face with the knee brace multiple times. And Jack makes his way back into the ring, while Orndorff grabs a chair and starts whacking it away on Cactus Jack's knee. Paul looks to hit a pile driver on that chair, but Jack has grabbed his shovel and hits Orndorff over the head with it. For the pin, and the win. I wanted Paul to win so bad. Uh, like, the knee brace stuff was great. There was a really weird moment. I believe it was, like, on the around the ring next to the steel or whatever, because uh, a lot of this match takes place. On the floor. On the floor. Yeah. But where it's a really awkward moment where Paul Orndorff, like, sticks his 
fingers in his mouth. Yeah. And I was like, is he about to put on the wonderful claw? <laughs> like, I was like, I was, but I was like, it was really awkward. I was like, why are you putting your hands in that man's mouth? It was very bizarre. Because uh, it's not like he did like a weird, like gross, like cheek pull thing. And it would be more of a Cactus Jack thing anyway, because he's the more brutal of the two. Um, because obviously he is not uh, the Roy daddy. Yeah. That Paul is. And I'm, if you were not a Roy daddy, Paul, uh, I apologize because you look like yeah. you're a Roy daddy. You worked, you worked hard for that body. One like either way. Yeah, the, you don't uh, you don't just take roids and it happens. The Paul taking the knee brace. The knee, well, not just the knee brace, but just the knee and slamming oh. it to the concrete. That first one, just the sound of that one. I mean, it was the camera angle on it was perfect to the point that I mean, all you saw was Foley's leg Bink, just yeah. yeah driving down into the concrete and. It was, like I said, I've never, I've never been excited for a Mr. Wonderful match. So oh, this was yeah. mind-boggling. After it was over, I'm like, all right, well, I hope we get some fun stuff out of Paul for a, at least, at least like two matches. You never know; everything moves around so much. And I'm, I hope you're not about and to say, and this was the last time fact. we'll see Paul. <laughs> right, he's, I just can't tell what he's gonna do. He's got a face. <sighs> just give it to me if you're gonna give it to me. Okay, cool. Bischoff, playing games. Bad, and Missy are on the stage. And Eric gives Hyatt some props for knowing that Flair would be showing up. But that she didn't get the interview. You know, she's still fucked up. Yeah. Missy says Nobody that the... Nobody asked her to get him. She said she was going to. That's true. Missy says that the nature boy will be making an appearance during the show. And then Johnny previews some of the upcoming matches. And we get our fifth match... The heavenly bodies of Stan Lane and Dr. Tom Pritchard with Jim Cornette and Bobby Eaton versus the Rock and Roll Express of Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. And uh, when when I saw that this was about to happen, like I grew like an extra vertebrae and stood up about as straight as I possibly could with excitement. It was just like the edge of my seat in excitement. So the last time we saw Stan Lane and Jim Cornette was at Halloween Havoc 1990, episode 49. Wow. While the last time we saw Robert Gibson was at Great American Bash 91, episode 57, and Ricky Morton at Wrestle War 92, episode 69. So WCW and Smoky Mountain Wrestling... Which is where, which is what Jim Cornette and Stan Lane run. They had a working agreement, and since Asheville was in SMW's territory, they brought him in for a show. Yeah, and like I mean, as we'll see, the everyone here is well versed in these five men because uh, the crowd is they eat it up. They eat, they they fucking I mean, eat it up. These five men have worked this this town. Many many times in their life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did love the kid in the the the, uh, the sign in the audience about Midnight Express, best tag team ever. The Heavenly Bodies had actually wrestled earlier in the day, about an hour away in Tennessee. Oh yeah, Smoky Spot Show. Yeah, they had a morning show and then they drove over for this. And Cornette takes the mic and reminds us why he's a good heel manager. Mm-hmm. And the ref. He makes Bobby Eaton go back to the back, Rude. helping, making other refs come out to help enforce it. You know, 
The match gets going, and Gibson with a hip toss and a head scissors, followed by a hurricanrana by Morton to take Pritchard down. Is this the first time we've actually seen Pritchard? This is the first time we've seen Dr. Tom. Yeah, well, glad to have you, Dr. Tom. Yes, thank you for not being Dr. Death. Or Bruce. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd take Brother Love over Dr. Death and Eric Watts. Laying with the blind tag, only to be hip-tossed, arm-dragged, and caught in an arm-bar by Ricky. Stan makes several attempts at a tag until Morton swings Lane into Dr. Tom for them to collide. Stan Irish whips Ricky to the corner. Gibson jumps up odd the turnbuckle to cushion the blow. I always love that spot where Ricky's being Irish whipped into the corner. And so oh, yeah, Gibson the... jumps in the corner to like kind of help out his the, buddy. Yeah. The yeah. It's like, I can take it. I'm softer than the corner, I guess. Morton then Irish whips Lane with Pritchard trying to cushion the blow as well. But Ricky reverses the whip while Gibson comes in to kick Dr. Tom off the turnbuckle. Pritchard's laying in the corner days, so Morton goes ahead and Irish whips stand into him. Not a wasted, not a wasted moment. The heavenly bodies bail to the outside to regroup with Cornette. And once they're back in the ring, Dr. Tom starts going crazy on Morton in the corner, only for Ricky to come back with an atomic drop onto Lane. Rock and roll try for a double back body drop, but they telegraph it, allowing Pritchard to kick Gibson to avoid. But Ricky ends up whipping into a back body drop anyways, followed by a Gibson Inseguri for a two count. I love that he only got one of them. You never, like whenever that happens, you never just get one of the guys. You normally get both of them. So I, yeah, it's nice. But not four people... Not, there's not very many people that can have this match together. No. no. And these guys can. Lane Morton start crisscrossing, running the ropes, until Ricky abandons to start chasing Cornette, who rolls into the ring, only to collide with Stan. The bodies are trying to help Jim out of the ring when Gibson slams their heads together for the double noggin knocker, followed by Morton knocking Cornette off the apron. Ricky's running the ropes when Jim grabs a boot to trip him up followed by Lane with a savat kick to knock Morton out of the ring. Pritchard and Cornette get some blows in on the floor before rolling him back in. Stan with a clothesline, and it's time for Morton in peril, as Dr. Tom hits a body slam, followed by a knee drop. Lane with a swinging neckbreaker, double snap mare by the bodies. Pritchard lifts Ricky up for a vertical suplex, while Stan leaps in with a clothesline for double the impact. You know... Because they're good like that. Cornette jumps on the apron to distract the ref just as Morton hits the desperation sunset flip. Only for Dr. Tom to come in to stop away at him to break up the pin. Ricky tosses Pritchard to the ropes, telegraphs the back body drop again. So Dr. Tom hits a sit-out powerbomb for the near fall. We're getting that rock and roll chance. All rock and roll chance. You shouldn't telegraph those back body drops. And we learned that earlier. (laughs) Morton's firing up, but Lane cuts him off with a power slam for a two count. The Heavenly Bodies try for a double back body drop, only for Ricky to counter with a double DDT. Be double DDT on the heels. What a, what a, what a place for a pop. He crawls to the corner for the hot tag, and that's how you set up a hot tag. Is this our first actual hot tag of the night? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We there was no chance at the beginning. Gibson with a back body drop to Pritchard. Right hands to everyone. Dr. Tom knees Morton out of the ring, allowing the bodies to double-team Robert. 
Ricky jumps back in the ring and hits a double clothesline on Lang, followed by a double drop kick on Pritchard. The ref is then trying to get Morton out of the ring, so he completely misses Gibson making the cover on Dr. Tom. Oh my gosh. So Robert slingshots Cornette into the ring, which allows Pritchard to bulldog Gibson for a two count. Mm-hmm. It's getting wild. Uh, we need to, like, you could watch this match, especially, like, the, like, finishing segment, and where's Bobby? Where's Bobby with his uh, brain scan? Like, I need the, the He's still the over replay. in WWE. Yeah, 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 but I mean, you know, this, this is a match where you, where you could actually use that for something that's not just a joke. Jim distracts the ref again, allowing Dr. Tom to send Robert over the ropes to the floor. Stan joins that argument while Ricky hits an atomic drop and makes the cover on Pritchard. For that visual pin. But the ref is still distracted. Bobby Eaton, then out of nowhere, comes flying off the top rope. So beautiful. But Morton moves in time, so he nails Dr. Tom. Oh my gosh. The ref finally shoves Cornette away while Ricky knocks Eaton out of the ring and Gibson jumps on Pritchard for the pin and and the win. And, like, Bobby Eaton, we know he showed up, but so much stuff has happened that you, and you're so invested, that you, like, forget about him, and then he just flies into screen, and you're just like, oh, shit. Like, if this wasn't good, you'd just be like, yeah, he's going to show up or whatever, but you get wrapped up because there's never not something happening. It's, It's wild. Holy fuck. Out of nowhere. This is like a perfect old school tag match. There's only one spot that I saw where I was like, it's like, oh, that I noticed. There's a spot in like when everything gets wild and there's everybody's in the ring and there's like mm-hmm. three things going on where Stan Lane is like in the corner and he's like, oh shit, where do I need to be right now? <laughs> but outside of that, it's like fucking flawless. If you can't tell, I like this shit. Same. We all like this. <laughs> we then go to another video of Sting. We see a couple of ladies, fur coat, and some fog. Oh, the fog. Hmm. Still, no clue what's I, going on. If like, as these are happening, I'm like, just give me five more seconds for each one of these clips, just so I could. I'm. It's. It gets. The, I'm getting frustrated at this point with these clips, because I'm just like, this looks awesome. We just want to know what's going on. Yeah, what is this White Castle business? So we're off to our sixth match. Max Payne versus the natural Dustin Rhodes for the WCW United States Championship. Last time we saw the United States Championship, it was Uh when they were talking about Mr. Rick Rude having to defend it. And they announced that tournament... For the number one contender. Well, Dustin Rhodes had made the finals versus Ricky Steamboat in that tournament. Oh, that sounds like a real cool match. Which they showed on a WCW Saturday night or yeah. one of those yeah, shows. Yeah, that's usually when it was I'm, sure it was. I'm sure it was a banger 12-minute match. But when Rick Rude was not medically cleared, they made the match for the belt. Instead of just a number one contenders match. Yeah, makes enough sense. They both made it to the end of the tournament. And Dustin won. So that's the reason he's the champion. Way to go there. Yeah. Good job, Dustin. Dustin. Put a, always want to see a belt on, on uh, the natural. Making Virgil proud. 
Runnels. Sorry. Wearing all the gold. Dust is. What? No. no. What did I miss? Do oh, I... all the gold. Because he's gold dust. I get it. What was the Hellraiser gimmick that he did? That he did? Black Rain. Is that what that it was? was? Yeah. Over in... Where he does like the white over face in paint. TNA. And then... Are you talking his his short time that he came back to WCW? Yeah, I think that's what it was. That was seven. Oh, yeah. It, cool. I yeah, I remember watching. We'll, we'll discuss. <laughs> We're not it getting once. to that now. Yeah, we'll discuss it when it happens. But we got a few years. Yeah. before we have to worry about that. Yeah, the guy that the guy that never needed a gimmick that ended up with a gimmick that people remember that even only watched wrestling for like a year, like in '98 or '99 or probably '97, and like everybody that remembers Goldust, but no people that didn't stick around for wrestling or go back to it don't realize that. He didn't need it, and he was better than everyone else. But when you bring out an albino undertaker that floats to the ring, <laughs> you, you, you win an audience or you lose an audience. And you'll just have to keep listening until we cover that show to find out. Dustin starts off hot, knocking pain out to the floor. When Max makes it back to the apron, Rhodes is right back on him, hitting a clothesline that forces pain out again to regroup. Back in the ring, Dustin rolls up Max for a two count, followed by an arm drag, forcing Payne back out to the floor. Are we going to talk about what Max Payne is wearing? Uh, the worst outfit ever. <laughs> Dustin's is great. He has this cool like ring jacket. Oh yeah, Dustin uh, looks like a, a the, true professional. The belt looks incredible. A natural even. Well, let me know what Max Payne looks like. Max Payne looks like he's wearing a black t-shirt that's like four sizes too small and. Just basic spandex shorts with a blue stripe on the side. Hey. There's no character build. He doesn't look rock and roll. He doesn't... He had... Yeah, he, once he took the he jacket off, he just looks like a... Fat guy. Fat yeah, guy. The, uh, it's like, you know, they, they just picked a number of a seat in the audience and, you know, threw a, a funky emo wig and a shitty guitar on him. I think that what probably happened was that he spent all of his money on his guitar and never money for the gear. On his guitar lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Rhodes starts working on Max's arm once he rolls back in until Payne drives the Naturals back into the corner. Irish whip and charge in only for Dustin to move and go right back to work on the arm. Max escapes again with an eye rake, hits a snapmare, goes for an elbow drop, only for Rhodes to move and back to the arm. Irish whip and the Natural charges into a back elbow and Payne follows with an Irish whip of his own only to run into a big boot. Max reverses an Irish whip, but doesn't let go, and swings Dustin down to the mat. Payne now begins to inflict some pain on Rhodes' arm, tries to go for the painkiller, but Dustin blocks. Did he get that? Did he get him from David Boy Smith? Uh. Uh. (laughs) Sorry, that's not nice. It's not nice to make fun of people's addiction. Davey doesn't share but Dustin blocks it and reverses it into a head scissors. Max retaliates with a clothesline, a double axe handle across the back to send the natural to the outside. Payne with a back body drop once Rhodes is back in the ring, but Dustin starts firing up, goes for a crossbody, but Max catches him, delivers a body slam, and goes for a splash, which the natural avoids. Mule kick buys Rhodes some time, allowing him to hit a clothesline and a vertical suplex for a two count. The natural then applies an ab stretch, but Payne pulls the ref right into himself to break the hold. And the ref calls for the bell 
as Max tosses Dustin over the ropes and to the floor. Payne continues the attack with a shoulder breaker on the floor, running the shoulder into the ring post, and then Rhodes fights back, sending Max face first into the post and the apron, before rolling him back in the ring and hitting a drop kick. Then all the officials start jumping in the ring and breaking him apart. Yeah. As we get our official announcement that Dustin Rhodes is the winner by DQ. Max Payne is so blown up at the end of this match. He, you can just see him. He's like, looks like he's about to have a heart attack. And Dustin, like, you didn't, we didn't talk about it a whole lot because it's not a lot to talk about. But half of this match is Dustin with him in like hammerlock on the mat or whatever because yeah. it's like he's probably just be like all right max this is the next thing uh also like you can't do much i think dustin did the best with what he had but dustin's always going to do the best with what basically he has. everything that i could find was like ron simmons was supposed to be in this match with dustin Rhodes. yeah and literally he didn't get cleared basically the day of the show mm-hmm. and all of the other people that were but max Payne, really did he learn the guitar Lick on the fly? Or was he already going to do that? I think he was already going to do the National Anthem. Mm. So he was one of the few people that was already there. So they were just like, okay, we'll throw him well, in. I mean, it sucks and for a pay but... They had no plan at all on this match. And Max Payne is very limited yeah. in what he can probably do. It was a, But Dustin really did the best with what he had. It's not good, but it could have been a lot worse. It could have been it worse. It could have been worse. It yes. could have been Eric Watts. No, I'm kidding. It's probably would have been not the same. I don't know. I think I would have liked to watch Dustin Rhodes kick Eric Watts <laughs> I mean, we all would have a good that. 10 minutes or so. Yeah, but I mean, you know with the Ron Simmons match, Dustin would have uh, sold his ass off uh, for Ron Simmons. I don't know if he would have switched the title or whatever, but he would have sold his ass off and then would have made a fiery comeback and either... Taken a power taken, slam. Or yeah, or he would have... Or a tackle, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, or would have rolled those... Rolled those fists furiously and popped him one on the head. But instead, we or, got this. Or maybe that was the original ending anyways, was Rhodes was going to win by DQ. Also, Dustin's been a, done a really good job of getting beat up after matches lately. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, just like maybe kick my ass afterwards <laughs> so you can like, so you don't look like a complete dweeb. We get another Sting video with some ladies. And Sting says, something is very familiar about all this. And then Vader screams and glass breaks. That's the sound the glass makes when it breaks. I mean, at least now we know it's something about Sting and Vader. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we knew that because we saw the mask earlier. That's true. I guess we did. We then go to Bischoff, Bad, and Missy on the stage. And Eric tells Missy that she's batting a thousand on the night. She said Flair would be there and said she had a surprise. And I think I know what it is. And Hyatt's, I told you so. <laughs> and Johnny chimes in with, she told you so, Eric. Oh. Did, did y'all know what the surprise was? The nature boy? I think I know what it is. So like, I We mean, already saw the surprise. We already saw Ric Flair, so like, is it a surprise? Yeah. I was like. Well, I was thinking Surprise is that he comes to the ring? Yeah. He, he's going to make an appearance, but he already made an appearance. And nobody said anything. So Gary Michael Capetta then announces Ric Flair to the ring. And the nature boy walks out with the security team and some lovely ladies, his entourage from earlier, making his way to ringside. And it's, it's real, we get Spotch. 
Tony welcomes him back. And Rick says, I'm back to rock and roll. We're live. We up. The lights are bright. The city's on fire. And now we're wrestling for the title I never lost. That old gimmick. I mean. Hmm. <laughs> wonder what the next match is. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why, why else is he out here? He's going he's gonna to pick up the mic. The seventh match. Barry Windham versus the Great Muda with Hiro Matsuda for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. And we get like an NWA World Heavyweight title graphic, which was pretty neat. Yeah, that was cool. And Nate just staying out here to help announce this title match. We get old Jesse and Flair together. Yeah, with, with, a, with a, it's a Tony Savani sandwich. Uh, I'll take the top piece of bread. Which one's that? Whichever one you want to give me. Because <laughs> the meat's pretty bland. Mm, boiled chicken. We see the ref going over the rules, which includes being able to come off the top rope because it's an NWA match. Yeah, they did right. But I thought they were able to do that anyway. Yeah. Now. Well, they said something about... Uh, they said something about the U.S. heavyweight title. Like, they went over the rules for that match. I don't remember what they were, but they said they were WCW rules. So, it's got to be some difference. And this is NWA rules. But you can't really hear what the ref's saying because the crowd is loud with we want flair chants. Of course they do. Well, the crowd is on fire. They have flair, but he's just sitting next to the ring. Like, how frustrating is that? Yeah, And you got old Pee Wee in there that, I don't know if he can't find the microphone. That's right in front of him, but every time he talked, he turned his head, and then the crowd would get louder. So, yeah, there was... I heard him say something about 10 count outside, and that's about all I remember. Jesse mentions the 60-minute time limit and puts over the nature boy as the 60-minute man. And Tony chimes in with, Flair always liked them big, too. <laughs> the big guys. Yeah, yeah, the big guys. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing here, Tony? I mean, it's a... First, he's been doing a pretty good job with Jesse, better than I expected, considering him and Jim started to hit a stride. And I was like, oh, now we're going to switch it up? Yeah, we'll but, see. Somebody's got to take over JR's awkward joke. Yeah, yeah. And Tony <laughs> does an okay job here for his first first uh, PPV with uh, old Jesse. We get a feeling out process to start until Wyndham takes Muda down with a test of strength before taking him over with a back body drop. Muda with a spinning heel kick takes down Barry with a side headlock, and Wyndham attempts to hit a back suplex, only for Muda to reverse it right back to the side headlock. Barry tries again, but again, Muda takes him right back down. Jesse then asks Nate if he's going to challenge the winner, and he says, I'm not going to commit to anything. Or, like I said earlier, I was going to tell you what was going on. I can't get back into the ring right now because of my no compete clause. <laughs> yeah, I can show up, up yeah, but I can't get in the ring. Mm-hmm. The uh, yeah, just saying. Muda comes out in all white. He's got the big thing over reveal. He's it's it's red paint. Muda tonight. I always I'm I like the details. I know you do. Just before we get get into the meat of this match, Wyndham finally escapes the side headlock, only to be hit with a drop kick and right back to that side headlock. Can you tell where this match is going? Yeah. Barry goes for the back suplex again, hitting it this time, only for Muda to keep hold of the headlock. So Wyndham then goes for a vertical suplex, but Muda blocks and reverses it, hitting the snap elbow drop and back to the headlock. 
Barry fights out again, avoids a drop kick before hitting a DDT to knock Muda out to the floor. Wyndham follows out, hitting a back suplex on the floor, drags him up to the apron to hit a vertical suplex, bringing Muda back into the ring for a two count. Rick is so good on the mic. It's real nice to have him here. Yeah, he was he, very he was very like, good on he's the He's not just putting himself over, he's like actually talking about the matches, like the match, the wrestlers, like his history with them and things that they've done before. Notices uh old Muda's like weight gain, positive weight gain. It's great. Dad bod Muda. Mm-hmm. No, no, not like that. It's good weight gain. Oh. Well, he's a, I'm not saying he's a heavyweight bad. now. He's a heavyweight and He's a little, little heavyweight. He's not a very not a Barry Windham heavyweight. No. Not a six foot seven no. monster. Gangly cowboy. Barry with a body slam, multiple knee drops, locks on a sleeper, taking Muda down to the mat, allowing Windham to use the ropes as leverage. Muda's arm goes down once, twice, but the ref catches Barry's leverage and calls for the break. So Wyndham then hits a gut-wrench suplex for a near fall. Muda is tossed to the floor with Barry coming out to slapping, hitting a double axe handle before they come back in the ring where Muda starts getting a surge of energy. Eye rake, body slam, elbow drop, keeps Wyndham in control though, going to a chin lock to wear Muda down. Muda starts firing up again and goes for a sunset flip, but Barry stays up and punches down. Goes for a clothesline, only for Muda to duck and come off the ropes with a desperation crossbody for a two count. Barry slams Muda's head, attempts a pile driver, only for Muda to counter into a back body drop. But Wyndham is back up and not giving an inch, staying on the attack with a leg drop for a near fall. Muda's with a spinning heel kick to get a moment of reprieve only for Barry to come right back, sitting Muda on the top rope. Climbs up for the superplex, but Muda chops him off to the mat, coming off with a judo chop to the head. Judo chop. Handspring back elbow and a backbreaker both connect. Muda goes up top for the moonsault, but Wyndham moves out of the way. Barry then goes for a vertical suplex, but Muda floats over and delivers a back suplex of his own. That's what I like to see. Muda's up, hits another backbreaker, goes for the moonsault once again, but Wyndham gets his knees up, hitting a clothesline and the implant DDT for the pin and the win. And new! He knew it was going to happen. Post-match, Ric Flair comes into the ring with the belt, hands it to the ref, who starts to strap it around the waist of Barry, but Nate moves him out of the way so he can do it. Now once Wyndham realizes it isn't the ref, he pulls away and the two men stare each other down till the nature boy just styles and profiles his mm. way away. Nice. It's like the, you know, we don't need a beat down here. No. Set the, set the seeds. Let those seeds grow. I would have liked to have seen old uh, Muda hold on to it for a little bit longer, but hey. He at least had it for that little bit. They've got a second one in Japan. He just puts it on when he's over there. <laughs> That's true. He's still the IWGP. The, uh, but, yeah. It's like, yeah, this wasn't bad, but 
it's like Barry Windham's not a great opponent for Muda. Also, the U.S. hates these kinds of matches. Like, there's the it starts to it fires up at the end with the reversals and stuff, but all the stuff before that, they have they don't like holds. We're not all the biggest fans. Of I mean, holds. you can do holds if you are working. Yeah. But it it felt like we need to go 18 minutes, but we only have a 10 minute match. Yeah. So let's do eight minutes and holds. Mm, yeah. It's a uh, could have been a little shorter. We then go to another video of a one-eyed man before Vader asks Carly Race for the strap. And then Sting is brought the strap by a lovely lady. They snap it together at the Vader smoke mask. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't even uh, I don't even quite remember this club. It's the culmination, right? Uh, yeah. So if, There's an explosion when it snaps. Yeah. So that means uh, we're going to get probably my favorite kind of match. Probably. We then go to Bischoff, Bad, and Missy on the stage, and they preview the main event. And Hyatt says, Sting is giving up 200 pounds, so this is scary. And Johnny says, Sting has the little stingers, so I expect him to go out and kick some booty, baby. Good, Little Johnny. stingers. Johnny, Johnny, All those little Johnny. stingers there. There's a difference, but like, it feels like there's always quite a few less children at a WCW show. Where, which ones are the little stingers? The 22-year-olds with a mouthful of beer? Yeah. So our eighth match, Big Van Vader with Harley Race versus Sting in a White Castle of Fear strap match. And this is where you finally answer my question, right? Or they do? Or somebody does? Because I'm still a confused man. So this is a non-sanctioned match. So that's why it's not a title match. Because Vader okay. is the champion. I think uh, it's what you call, if you're a cynical butthole, a garbage match. <laughs> now the rules for the match are a traditional strap match where you have to touch every corner to win. Mm, it's, so... it's Michael's favorite kind of match. But I knew you would ask, what is a White Castle of Fear strap match? Because they didn't tell me. They only showed me five seconds of a really cool episode of like Thunder in Paradise that I never saw. <laughs> So, yes, all those small videos, I literally had no clue what they were when they were showing them to us. I was so pumped. Half of my notes in this are like, I need to see this. And so, once we got to this, I was like, I need to find out what a White Castle fears, why they called it this. Yeah, see, I just was like, like, oh, Mattel. Did they get a advertisement thing from White Castle? The White Castle of fear is the dread after you eat, you know, a suitcase of sliders after like eight beers. Was White Castle a thing back then? Already? I don't know. I'm I'm sure just, it I think was. it was. It was, really it was probably a regional thing. I don't know. Shit's gross, though. But all those videos... Shut your whore mouth. ...would make up a bigger mini-movie, mm-hmm. kind of like the Jake Roberts Sting mm-hmm. mini-movie that we saw. Go on. And it would air on WCW Saturday night on January 30th. Why didn't they play it here? That's a good question. Because showing just these small, like, four seconds of of each one made no sense. I didn't know what was going on, and I, like, I'm so upset. But because we like to have fun here at WHX. Oh, my. Sit back, relax, as we are going to reenact it for you. All right. Heads up. Yeah. 
Matt sent up, sent us the video in a group chat, but didn't say anything. It was just a clip to a Daily Motion video or whatever. I did not watch it, so, and I but still haven't. But you're still the perfect sting. I'm still. I don't know if I'm the perfect sting. Sting's the perfect sting. I'm the perfect white Mike Castle, so that's why I'm standing <laughs> in for him here. But I still haven't seen this, and I'm I am very excited too. So, going in blind. So for this reenactment, Shane will be. Vader. Nice to meet you, Leon. I hope Thank we have a, a fair strap match. Michael will be Sting. Steve. Come get behind me, a little Stinger. Let's do it. And I will portray everybody else. Everybody else. Oh, and there's a, a few everybody else's. <laughs> so a car pulls up next to a helicopter with narration. Sting accepted an invitation to a party at the White Castle of Fear. In the Rocky Mountains. Sting then gets out of his car and gets into the chopper where it takes off. The party. Let's go. Roger, we're clear. Shots of snow-banked mountains as the helicopter flies over. (laughs) In the background, Vader laughs. Vader is then shown with snow blowing all over the place. Stinger. We have a date with destiny. I wonder what all this is about. The challenge is presented for you to play a game. Vader? Challenge me? To a game? I know you like a good time. I know you like challenges. Could this be some sort of trap? And I know that you like living on the edge. Guess I'll find out soon enough. Sting's holding an invitation that reads... Come to a pre-Super Brawl party at my <laughs> white castle of fear. <laughs> Sorry. Signed with a stamp of Vader's smoke mask. Sting reads. Come to the white castle of fear. Where is this castle of fear anyway? And play Vader's game. Sting, I've spotted the white castle. The camera zooms in like we should be able to see something on the mountainside. But it's just more trees and snow. <laughs> I can't wait to watch this. Sting sees. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> the helicopter lands, and we see a cave where we walk down into it before reaching a table with fruits and the Vader smoke mask. Some lovely ladies and a small person with a patch over his eye. Is it the same LP? Is same it? little person? Mm-hmm. That's rules. Are around the area laying out on the rocks when Sting walks in and does the superhero pose. Sting. Pose. The ladies begin to murmur with each other. He's here. And smile at the sight of Sting. Sting smirks. The one-eyed man yells out, It's Sting! He's here! And all the ladies get up and come to Sting's attention, with all of them still murmuring about to each other. Sting smiles. Vader is then shown working out when Harley Race comes in. Sting is here. Sting's here! Play the game! You again. Play the game! One of the ladies says, Sting, this is one game you're going to lose. And the ladies begin laughing. There's something very familiar about all of this. Stinger! And glass breaks. Vader's here! We see Vader on top of the rocks in a fur cloak. Who's the man? Who's the man? 
Vader, 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 Vader. man. <laughs> Stinger. Vader, nice place you have here. Reminds me of your personality. Cold. Uh, very funny, Sting. <laughs> What's up? You're here to accept the challenge of Vader. Are you ready to play the game? All right, all right. So what's the game? <clears throat> Look, it's over. And Vader throws everything off of the table. Crash. You know what a strap match is? I'm going to show you Vader style. <laughs> <laughs> play the game! Play the game! <laughs> Mr. Race, the strap. Race wraps the strap around Vader's wrist and he flings it. And a young lady then brings the other end to Sting. The smoke mask starts going up in flames as they're doing a tug of war over the fire. The crowd is all chanting, Vader, 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 Vader. Vader finally wins the tug of war, pulling Sting onto the table and into the flames before the screen explodes. To be continued. Right now, as the match gets underway. Oh my gosh. This sounds like a really fun video I'm going to have to watch. <laughs> Vader slings Sting around by the strap multiple times to start before hitting a clothesline. Several elbow drops and then starts just whipping away on his back. I have a small complaint. Why is Sting wearing <laughs> orange and blue when he could be wearing it's the White Castle of Fear? Some nice icy white and blue makeup, icy white and blue gear. Ooh, look good. You know he's got it. We've seen it before. Vader hits a second rope splash, starts barking at the crowd, which allows the stinger to crotch the big man with the strap. <laughs> Sting knocks Vader down to the mat with several right hands. Standing in Siguri, comes off the second rope with the clothesline, followed by a pair of top rope splashes and whipping away on Vader's back with the strap. Boy, does he ever. Sting uh, really whips it in there. Vader gets gets a little, little back blood pretty quick. A little bit. Sting also comes in hot because, you know, he got his ass whipped. We saw that clip. That clip let us know why we're here. <laughs> Race comes up to the apron. So the Stinger whips him as Vader rolls out to the floor. So Sting follows out and pulls the big man into the ring post multiple times. Posted. Sting touches one of the ring posts on the outside of the ring. Yeah, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't either. Body slams Vader, starts dragging him around, and touches a second post on the outside. Two. Yeah, that's when I noticed exactly how bad Vader's back was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Moved, you don't notice it at like, first. Oh, there's a wet spot there yeah. that's red. Yeah, those welts from the <laughs> Yeah, once you get back in the ring, it's because he didn't do it, like, across no. his back. Like, yeah, it was... It's good. It's, it's, it's gnarly. He, he, he beat his ass Japan style, I'm guessing. Back in the ring, Sting with a Samoan drop goes for the Stinger splash, but Vader blocks it with a body block. So Sting tries again with the same result. There's an old lady in the crowd just yelling, Get him! She wants, she like, the, her face, she just wants Vader dead. Vader looks for the power bomb, but the Stinger reverses into a back body drop. Goes up top for another splash, but the big man rolls out of the way to avoid, following with a splash on the mat. Vader hits a Samoan drop, a Vader bomb, and then goes back to whipping away on Sting. Vader then, with a super Samoan drop, 
and he starts dragging the stinger around to touch corners. Okay, now it's after that, it's time to drag the man. Uh-huh. But Sting kicks the big man away after the second corner. Another Vader bomb, but the stinger moves this time, only for the big man to head up top again for a splash. But the stinger pulls him down off the ropes to the middle of the ring. Vader is up first, though, sets the stinger up on the ropes, hitting a superplex, and starts tapping corners again. One, two, three. But Sting hooks the ropes with his feet and manages to kick the big man away to break the count. Vader starts laying in with stiff shots to the stinger, hits multiple avalanche splashes, tries for a third only for Sting to counter with a cannonball kick. The stinger then hits a release German suplex, a DDT, and now Sting is unloading in the corner, lifting Vader up onto his shoulders. But one of the big man's legs knocks the ref down. Ref bump. Stinger starts touching corners. One, two, three. He has Vader up on his shoulders and he's like backing up to the fourth corner. Yeah. And he trips over the ref. Pretty fun. It's crazy that he's got Vader on his shoulders while he's yeah. like doing the one, two, three. It's uh, the, going to the corners. It's um, nice, nice touch. Good on you, Stinger. Another Vader bomb. And the big man starts dragging Sting. How many Vader bombs has he taken? Like three? <laughs> Four? And the Super Samoan? My god. One corner. Two. Three. Ah, Sting's just... Again, the Stinger's holding onto the ropes. Fighting with everything he's got. When he kicks Vader away. But it's right Ah. into the fourth corner. You know, like a strap match is. Oh, Stinger. And Big Van Vader is the winner. Post-match, Sting just starts whipping away at Vader with the strap until he rolls out and heads back to the locker room. Vader's face? Ah. <laughs> oh, he's... He getting... busted a, a ear. Yeah, no, there's a... Um, it's actually from... I believe it's from the inside of his ear. This is a fun, fun wrestling fact. Vader, if they were having him... He was having a match with somebody and they were talking about color or whatever, he would tell that people, which is, this is crazy, but... He didn't know why, but he said, just pop me one good in the ear, it'll always bleed. bleed. Yeah. So, like, I assume that they had that, and Sting just, like, so he didn't have to bleed or anything, but, like, I'm sure he was probably deaf in one ear by the time he was dead. He's like, oh, just hit me in the ear, I just start bleeding from my ear. Mike's out. Fun fact of the episode. We go back to Bischoff, Bad, and Missy up on the stage to wrap up the evening, and Hyatt and Johnny have to go freshen up their makeup for the party they're headed to. But then Barry Windham joins Eric on the stage. And he says, I'm on the prowl. And there's no championship that is safe. But you just won one, Barry. What? Mm-hmm. what why are you concerned about other ones? Oh, right. Barry doesn't... For another company. Barry doesn't take time to smell the flowers. No. He's... You've seen him wrestle. No, no frills. We then go back to Tony and Jesse. And they recap the evening before saying their goodbyes as the credits roll. And I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Super Brawl 3? There's some certified bangers in here. Yes. There's some certified duds in here. Mm -hmm. 
There's... Yes. But the whole show, from beginning to end, is entertaining. It's at least the duds are never really back to back. And I watched the show all in one sitting. I was into it, even with the bad stuff. Because even the bad stuff was either people I was interested in or um, maybe somebody knew. Like, yeah, Max Payne didn't pan out, but I was still interested to see Max Payne just because, you know, they put him over so hard before his match with, like, the guitar crap. So it was a very easy watch. But, like I said, some true certified bangers in here. Yes. Uh, kind of on the the same same line as you. Uh, yeah, I think we're literally all right there. <laughs> there are definitely some duds. Oh yeah, but they were necessary. You got to have your 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 little calm down moments or your bathroom breaks or or whatever. But yeah, it was it was very much started off fire and hot for me at least with. Uh, <laughs> I can't agree there. The, the savagery that was thrown to old Mister E Dub. I don't even want to say his name anymore because it just taints the the whole podcast. I feel um, like you're making him sound cooler than he is though, by calling him <laughs> E Dub. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, Shorty E, is that better? No. <laughs> <laughs> it it got. I I I don't revel in um in in the Eric Watts getting beaten up. I'd rather it just not be on the screen. So I don't have the same feeling. I loved about. it just because. Of yeah, the crowd reaction. The crowd reaction, yeah, yeah I kind of felt... Because not really only were we reacting to that, but then also Austin and, and Pillman were getting some some much extra love when from the audience. When it comes down to it, I feel the most bad in this situation for uh, Bagwell. Bagwell. Because like when he the small amount of time he is in the ring there, it's awesome. And he gets cheered. And some of those cheers, like we said, are protest cheers, probably. But the cheers can't all be that because he's big strong all of his stuff is like quick and sharp and clean like it's a crispy performance by him and it sucks that he got dragged down by a slug yeah i mean that's as as time progresses that's what we will come to know of old marcus alexander bagwell yeah he's like a he's like a a scott steiner and a rick steiner's body potentially i see the potential in like that kind of like quick big big boy shit. So it kind of sounds like six thumbs up from us, but there are some duds. Oh yes, there there are some definitely some duds, but the show itself just it does move quick. Yeah, it moves. It's, it's very recommendable. Yeah, there's like three matches on here that I would tell anybody to watch it all, and they're all they're all three of them are so very different. Yeah. There's that too. It's like I could call all of them like matte classics in different ways it's like they're all like basically like top tier performances i, I of think this there style are match there are three matches on this show that are perfect that almost. if if we want i could call i'm gonna we, call we could say that them. we could say that they were on the short list yeah and one of them didn't expect for sure one of them obviously the other one it's like oh wow these guys are really firing early on and then the other one where the hell did Paul Orndorff come from with this fucking beautiful business? At least that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. I that's assume that's one of your three. Yeah, maybe. Oh my gosh. You <laughs> look like a fool over here. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. Not a fool. I stand behind my opinions. So what are some of your best moments of this show? There's a lot. 
there are a lot yeah. of best moments. Which is show. crazy because the like I said, those three matches are so packed. Here's the thing. I am more on Shane's side with the first match of the of really? the show. I don't think it's horrible. No, it's not horrible. But I didn't I mean it was too long. I agree. It probably goes a little too long, but it's not horrible and a lot of that time is spent with them just beating them up. It, there's not a whole lot of rest holds or anything in that no, match. No, no. So it moves. Yeah. And it also sets the stage for things to come with the uh, those bodacious blondes. Yeah. Now it, it I literally feel like the first five matches on this show are if it ended right there this might be the best show we've would, ever watched. It would potentially be a perfect show with one match, which is basically a glorified squash match, yeah. but that's fine. I love Davey Boy. Yeah, yeah. I can, like, I can watch Davey Boy squash matches all the time. Yeah, yeah and it's like it's like it's not too long. They don't completely bury Bill Irwin, and it's Davey Boy's, like, come, like, you know, WCW debut, like, so it is, it's exactly what it needs to be. Oh, yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't be mad at it. And... I really like the White Castle of Fear strap match. Oh. I know you don't like strap matches. I it's not the worst one I've seen. No, but I really enjoyed it because it, it, it got brutal enough to the point where it like really it was. I feel like about as well worked as a strap match can be. So I'm not gonna get down on it, but it's not my it's not in my top three. See, it's in my top three. Oh, we have different threes. <laughs> That's okay. It was not my favorite garbage match of the show. What other moments did you guys like? Well, I mean, my, my best moment, I've already said, is going in my spank bank. So. <laughs> my God. Where that... Watch just getting beat down. Yeah. The, uh, and it wasn't even just the entire beat down. There was just this one spot where Austin turns around and chops Watts. And just the, the movement of Austin hitting Watts, it was just beautiful on camera. I, I had to rewind it a couple times. Yeah, I mean, like you had said, those those first five matches were... Were really special. They're, they're all a little bit different. Yes, that's a yeah. But they're all really, really good. Yep. I'm I'm gonna say it right here on the best moment. Go and watch the mini movie, please. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. I just acted. It WCW out. Saturday Night, January thirtieth. It's about halfway into the show. I might literally go and watch it just for this six seven minutes worth of this entertainment. would now also be a good time to check our twitter because if possible i'm gonna upload it on there okay we, cool. we could probably post the the video there as well yeah so, oh, i did that I, with the last one so i missed out i'm gonna watch it any other moments that you really enjoyed there's there's so many moments there's so there's so like much we literally probably could go moment. on for a while so i'll just do the other thing where i will say Every single interaction between the match between Two Cold Scorpio and Chris Benoit uh, is incredible. Every single interaction between Cactus Jack and Paul Orndorff is incredible and worth your time. And every single moment of the rock and roll versus Heavenly Bodies with Jim Cornette and... He- Heavenly Bodies and Rock and Roll Express... Is probably about as fun as tag team wrestling like, can get without being stupid. In 1993, they work... An old school tag team match. It doesn't feel old school. That doesn't feel old school. Yeah. Exactly. They put. They honestly put. Like, you could tell me that that was your favorite match, and I wouldn't argue with you. You could tell me that the Too Cold match was your favorite match, I wouldn't argue with you. You could say Cactus Jack Orndorff was your favorite, but I might 
argue because it's not my preferred style of match, but it is about as good as that gets without it getting to a point where people are just like beating each other up with like trash cans. Like it's, it's, I feel like a falls count anywhere match done the right kind of, the right level. It doesn't get too much, but it's still brutal as hell. Yeah. And Orndorff is like yeah. kind of a like shortlist MVP for this show because he was just so surprising. I was so surprised with the performance that he gave. Old school attitude with new yeah. style. Yeah, because it wasn't like, I know he can do the stuff, but just like he had an energy about him and he felt like he had a presence. Kind of uh, most disappointing. Johnny B. Bad. Weird. <laughs> I'm, I don't know, just his, he didn't need to be on the show whatsoever because all he did was just look like a jackass the entire time he was up there. I love the Johnny B. Bad character. I, mean, I did like we him really in the ring. Need, did we really need any of the, the of Bischoff, Missy, and No, I mean, you gotta no. have a couple well, I mean, of I like them, that but... Stuff. I always, I like, I like cutting to those people, whether it's good or bad, it's just, you check in with them. It was Johnny B. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes. it was just... Yes, it was Johnny B. Bad. It was pointless, because it was just him standing up there... Basically saying nothing but repeating what was said right before him. He was and then not at the very end, him on and Missy are going to go fix their makeup. He was not on his game as far as being the third mic, for sure. Yeah. But biggest disappointment, probably the fact that Dustin Rhodes had to put up with Max Payne. Because, yes. like, I just want to see Dustin get to wrestle somebody. And even, like, Ron is not the best foil for Dustin Rhodes. I know that that still had the potential to be a fourth grade match. It could have been like just a good match, but it definitely would have been better than this. But it also potentially like, I haven't seen these guys work one-on-one against each other. And just like what's in my head doesn't mean that's what's going to happen in the match. And I think that there is a possibility that they could have pulled out a great match. Cause you know, Dustin would have sold like crazy for him. And uh, I really don't know who they would have put over in that situation. Cause Ron is just the champion. I wonder if they would have had Ron. I don't think I don't a, think Ron would have won the belt. I think they probably still would have done a DQ, probably a double count out or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, but, but a double count out's good if they're both beat the shit out of exactly. each other. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say actually, here's the reason why Orndorff and Cactus Jack is is probably number four on my list and not my top three. I feel like the ending of that match is kind of disappointing because they're doing all this stuff and then all of a sudden. They're in the ring, and his snow shovel just shows up on the on the ring, yeah. and he grabs it and hits Orndorff over the head with it. Yeah, I can it have, wasn't there. Yeah, that that is a good criticism, but the, it did do the thing where it's like, oh, we put this here. You forgot about that. That's how the match started, and then it shows up. It was it was the like the uh, Bobby Bobby it was the show snow show snow shovel was Bobby Eaton for this match, but I didn't. I was so into the match that I didn't really. I didn't think about it. It was just like... That's literally my only (laughs) complaint. I was like, oh, it's fine, whatever. That's my only complaint. But from that moment to the moment that Ric Flair comes back into the ring and we have the confrontation between him and Barry, that entire part, that entire like 30 minutes of the show is trash to me. Because Max Payne should not be in a ring. No. And I love Great Muda. I think Barry Windham is very talented. They had absolutely no chemistry together. No, not at all. And uh, I will say the only thing that, like, that was obviously too long. The only thing that kind of saved that was 
the wonderful insights of Ric Flair, him talking about how that, hot that it is was, in that ring and people don't understand I mean, it, and like the, from the perspective of that wrestling. That would be a, a best moment, definitely. Flair on commentary was really good. It was very, very good. It's not the kind of commentary, it's commentary that we get now more often in from people like uh, Kevin Kelly yeah. or Chris Charlton or Rocky Romero, but we don't get that nowadays. It like, or at least in this point in time, I don't think we've really gotten that kind of like wrestler's perspective and really like talking about it. Like he's sitting there talking about it even more as a sport than like Tony Jr. Yeah. or Jesse or Gorilla or any of those guys. Like it's just a nice insight. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't put over a Barry Windham Muda match that hard. <laughs> like it's no. yeah, one man can't save the show. So best performer of the night. I feel like we may all have different opinions on this I one. I don't even know. It's hard. I mean, I I might cop out. And my cop out might just be the whole the whole tag yeah. match. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that, too. Like, I mean, I know you love the tag match. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, like, I, I mean, all, how do you, how do you pick one of. How do you choose from all your kids? Yeah, how do you choose, like, of those five guys, like, I mean, four, but. Corny's a big deal. He's a big part of this. How do you not like? How do you separate him here? It's like they. It's a. That's a such a group effort. How about you, Shane? Do you have a choice? I mean, one of you guys mentioned Orndorff possibly. Oh yeah, Orndorff. Orndorff really, really is a, like I said. He really surprised me. It was he had that big match energy, and he felt like a star. He came out there and looked and felt like a star, and like he had that performance where like sometimes you're waiting for people to be able to have that extra thing and it just felt like he came out with that extra thing that little bit and it was Uh, there for me i think i am going to give it to the crowd good crowd this (laughs) this crowd was really good they were i I will agree it's hard to pick playing along with the the opening match i mean it yeah it ties into the and they're even like i loved it they're even uh like they, cheering I mean, the the face in the in the Benoit Scorpio match, they're cheering Scorpio more, but they're still cheering Benoit even though he's doing the heel stuff, stuff. But like he's uh, but they're still he's cheering impressive. him because he's impressive. Yeah, and like at that point, it's hard to you can't pick either of those two guys because they're like basically yeah. the same guy in this match. Well, here here's how you know that a crowd is usually good. Great Muda and Barry Windham were in that match, and they were booing Windham. Most times you don't in America, them. yeah, the crowds end up booing the foreigner, yep. because that's just how they've been. But this is also probably like shown. in this area we have the more intelligent. The, end, the WCW crowd at this point in time is getting smart. We'd never say that yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's where I mean. That's where the like the tape traders and stuff are yeah. showing up. Yeah. Best performer for me. I agree with you in that. You can't separate Benoit and Too Cold. No, you can't. It's not. It does disservice that, to either of them. That match was just like I. I said it on here. Yeah. You guys know. Literally, I was five minutes into that match, and I was just like, <laughs> I am only five minutes into this match, and it's a twenty-minute-long match, and I was absolutely loving it, and I just continued to love it even more you as know, the match was going. You know, it's a great wrestling match when you watch it, and you're like. I would show this to anybody. 
Like I was like, I just want to show this to somebody that doesn't that doesn't watch wrestling. Like and I just I want them to see that and be like, oh, like this is what wrestling can can be and is sometimes. And that's what we're all waiting around for as wrestling fans. A lot of the time is those matches where you're just like, yeah, oh, yeah. where where it's when when it's not when Max Payne isn't in the ring. When people that are supposed to be there are there and they mesh correctly, and you get. A match that's that exciting. Yeah, like, I mean, with Ben Law and, and Scorpio, you know, just like you said, we, it's a, a showcase of what can happen when you put the right ones in there. Just yeah. like with the audience in the first one, you know, it shows that if you try and treat your audience like they're stupid, that eventually they are going to tell you how it really is, and they aren't just going to boo somebody for the sake of booing somebody. They're going to let me know that, that. And the crowd just got to hope that the people sucks. in the back are hearing it. Yeah, for me, a lot of the time, like, the best matches are ones that, like I said, I can show somebody, and I don't have to tell them anything. I don't have to be like, well, this guy did this, and, like, blah, 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 and they had these, like, series of matches, and, like, those are great, but, like, these, like, lightning-in-a-bottle matches where it's like, this is just a match on the card. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. It's just a match on the card between two equal opponents to find out who's the better opponent. And nobody stole somebody's girlfriend. There's no, like, nobody got hit by a car by the other guy's manager or whatever. Like, you're just like, hey, look at these guys wrestle. How about most surprising? I'm just going to start off. I, I knew Chris Benoit was showing up at some point. Didn't know it was now? Didn't know it was now. Yeah. So that's Agreed. definitely a surprise. I was or- surprised at Orndorff. Orndorff was yeah. back, and Orndorff was, was awesome, awesome <laughs> as he was. I gotta give it to to Orndorff just because, yeah, I've I've never in all of my years, you know, I've watched several Orndorff matches in the past, but never thought of never thought back like, oh yeah, Paul Orndorff. Yeah, not yeah. I I never thought I need to sit down and watch this again, or I need to tell somebody yeah. they should watch this because holy shit, yeah. You know, it might be a terrible thing to say. Like because I'm just haven't haven't seen as much of as plenty of other people have, but at this point, like when I think Paul Orndorff, like I'm thinking of this match. Hopefully that'll change and I'll get an even better match doing this show from Paul Orndorff, or going back and watching Paul Orndorff matches that aren't on some of the stuff that we cover. But he definitely became present in my mind and somebody that I'm like actually aware of now. And one more surprise, and kind of a disappointing moment as well, WCW showing all the like four-second clips yeah. of the mini-movie and not just showing us the glory that is yeah. the Super Bowl three mini-movie. I know. I'm yeah. about to fucking watch it. Because I, I, I was same. freaking out that I was like, what is this? This looks incredible. What is this? And yeah. I never got to see it, but I reenacted it. So Erased Johnny B. Bad's. Everything oh, from this entire alone. show, and you have enough to just play it all in one setting there as you roll into the match. <laughs> you don't need him on there. Again, I like Johnny B. Bad. I just don't. It sounds like, like him you don't like Johnny. No, B. I do. There's just nothing for me to like about him on this show. He didn't add much. Uh-uh. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Oh shit. This week the category is. What happened when? What happened when? Ooh, okay. Okay. It's one of those questions where you have to buzz in to answer. Okay. But if you buzz in, you get five points. 
if I go to multiple choice, you can get three points. Okay. For the uh, buzz thing, we're just gonna go ah into the microphone, and then Matt will decide who added first. Because I think or you we can just say you can with... just say your name. No, That's I'm gonna go ah. It's better. Okay. My name's too long. What I'm going to give you is the main event of a show, and when I say main event, I mean the last match on the show. Okay. Okay. Alright. Okay. Uh-huh. When you know the answer, buzz in. If we need to go to multiple choice, I'll give you some choices. Okay. The show that I need the main event for this week is AWA Super Clash. Oh my 3. god. Oh you're I thought you were gonna give me the main event and I had to ask figure out the name of the pay per view. You're giving me the pay per view and I have to say the main event. Yes. AWA Super Clash. Three, is that what you said? Yeah, we yes. don't know this, man. I'm trying to remember. It's the only AWA show we watched. <laughs> I listened to it. I, I I, mean, I'm willing to go to multiple choice here if you're willing to go to multiple choice here. Because I know that I don't have this in my head. I know that pre-DDP shows up on this show, but I know it's not the main event. That's the only thing I can really remember at the moment. And that Johnny Valiant's on the show. And those are the only things I can think of, which are probably not even the good things about the show. I want to say I remember a match that was on there, but I don't know if it's the main event, so... You can, we'll you can go for choice. it. I'll well, give you multiple choice. Because if I answer now, then I won't be able to answer once we get the multiple choice. <laughs> That's a good point. So for three points, I'm going to give you four options. Greg Gagne versus Ron Garvin. Jerry Lawler versus Kerry Von Erich. Rock and Roll Express versus The Stud Stable. Or Sergeant Slaughter versus Colonel De Beers. Eh. Michael. Ron Garvin. Incorrect. Alright. Then I'll just say eh because Lawler and Von Eric was what I was originally thinking, but uh, I don't remember. It's probably the right answer. No, it's probably gonna be no. old Slaughter and De Beers. No, it's not Slaughter and De Beers. <laughs> it's but no, I'm going with my original one. Lawler and That's the Von right Eric. I know it. That is incorrect. Oh, it's a tag match. Rock and Roll and Stud Stable <laughs> you had a match after the Lawler Von Erich match. Yeah, that's the. That's it was the, one of the. It was. It should have been the tag match. It was one of the dumb ones that we like. We totally were like, why did they have this match after Lawler? Because Rock Eric? and Roll was over. Well, and that is why. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, I as soon as I said you said Rock and Roll, and who was in the Stud Stable? Okay. I'm trying to remember. Colonel Robert Parker. Or at least what he was called back when he was a wrestler. I don't remember what his name was. Whatever happened to Firebreaker Chip? Sorry. He broke. <laughs> I know that's not like really relevant to what we're talking about. It has about. nothing to do with NWA. <laughs> no, not at all. But I, you said Colonel Whatever Parker, and I was like, what were those guys' names? <laughs> Firebreaker Chip and yeah, some asshole uh, other guy. Something champion. Todd champion. champion. Firebreaker Chip is like the worst <laughs> name that I love. So no points for anyone this week. It's all right. So Michael is still in the lead, eight to seven. Oh my god, it's not a lead at all. Next week, WrestleMania nine. Get out your togas and make sure to wear underwear. We're heading to Caesar's Palace, Mm -hmm. where there's sixteen thousand people there. (laughs) It's the world's largest toga party. Yeah, sure, sixteen thousand people. Music from this week's show is Rocket by Tom Blades. And Vader won the main event, so we play his theme music 
Afro Rock by Heavy Business. Hmm. I didn't realize that was the name of his song. <laughs> yeah. Afro Rock. I don't know what, I can't even hear the song in my head. <laughs> if you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. As Michael says, five stars or no stars. Exactly. Be a friend. You can choose to be a foe, but just don't tune in. No hate. No hate. All love. Yeah. We're not selling cheeseburgers. Doesn't yell. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, of course not. (laughs) And if you want to give us any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, we're always still looking for those as well. Right. You can email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. That's wrestling. History X at gmail.com because it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> or you can find us on Twitter at Wrestling Histo X. This is where I meant to double myself. Yeah, I got you. Wrestling H I S T O X. Wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. Laters!